Welcome to the By the Hood podcast. Before we jump into this episode, just wanted to make you aware that on our website, bythehood.com, we have a free webinar on an intro to the stock market. So please go check it out. Just go to bythehood.com and you'll get the free intro to the stock market webinar. Take it easy and enjoy this episode. What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of the Buy the Hood podcast or webcast, because I don't know how you're consuming this content. I'm your host, as always. My name is Jimmy, and as we start off every show, that's with gratitude. just want to say thank you to everyone and anyone who supports anything we got going on. Special shout out to the students from Buy the Hood University, as well as the youth from the Buy the Hood Ownership Camp, which is in um, full swing right now, man. We got some brilliant students, so just want to say shout out to all you guys, and thank you to anyone who sends in anything to support the camp because we're working on getting all of our students a stipend this year. So it's going to be, it's going to be pretty phenomenal. So with that being said, um, our show, our podcast here is designed to highlight brothers and sisters who are doing amazing work. I got my partner, Con Cormier with me. Cor, what's up, good brother? What it is though, every day above ground is a good day. So let's go get it. Yeah. And like I was saying, we highlight brothers and sisters doing amazing work. Um, who we have with us today, this is our sister. She's been on here several times. Um, we create all kinds of content courses, everything, where this is our sister. But I wanted to have her on for a specific reason. So there's a lot of conversation in the community and online and, and everywhere in the culture about trusts, estates, wills. And it's a lot of bad information. Um, and I have a lot of questions personally. So I bring in the expert. And without further ado, I want to introduce our sister. Courtney, the IBA investor, or should I just say Courtney Esquire? I see the Esquire LLM, you know what I mean? Like, you know, Courtney, what's up? Good evening. How are you? Thanks, guys, hey. for having me. What's going, hey. what's going on? We miss you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for missing me. I miss you guys, too. <laughs> Listen, let's get right into it, right? So you've been on here. You told your story. So we're not going to talk about that, but we're going to get to uh, some actual um, information that people should be able to use, right? And that's in terms of trust wills estates and, and on all of those things before we get into specifics and i want to start with the chat chadwick story but i want you to kind of give me the difference um you know before we get into it between a trust right and a will okay <laughs> so the the we'll give you like the big picture um so first this is not legal advice <laughs> absolutely but just, but just big picture a will says who gets it a trust says what they can do with it Okay. That's right. kind of the, the difference. That um, simplifies it. Yeah, but and I want to say be very clear. So a will only kind of becomes effect at the person's death. A trust can be during your life or it could happen what we call through your will, which is called a testamentary trust. So it can be either one. So a trust can kind of expand between life and death. A will just starts at death. Okay. All right. So that's good information right there as well. So the, the one thing that was big in, um, in, in uh, the news recently, and it started a lot of conversation about uh, wills and trusts, was Chadwick Boseman, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, there was, I saw all kinds of numbers thrown around. I don't know what the actual numbers are, but about uh, having to break down with the government and his wife and his parents. Mm -hmm. So can you kind of give us an explanation? Because we know he's married. Mm -hmm. So what actually happened there? Let me just put it that way, because I saw so many stories that I don't know what's true. That's fair. So what exactly happened? Um, so Chadwick Boseman passed away um, last year, I believe it was like last August. And pre before he passed away, at some point he got married to uh, Simone. Um, so and then also he died what we call intestate. So he died without a will. So when we're talking about someone who dies intestate, in means without, testate is referring to a will. So he died intestate. And you're probably going like, OK, well, what difference does it make? So when a, somebody dies intestate, the, the rules of the state that they were domiciled in. So basically they lived in, but, you know, more so that not just that somebody lived in. So a lot of times people will um, be moved across state lines because they need to be supported by another family member or something like that. But they ultimately it wasn't their intent to actually move. So when we say domiciled, it's like the person meant to be there. They weren't moving anytime soon. All of those things. So that's what I say about domicile. So he was living in California, the place where he lived, and he was had no intent to leave and whatever. He was there forever. Um, the, you have to follow the rules of the state when somebody dies without a will. Because the question is, you have stuff 
that belongs to you, that's in your name, that it's going to have to go somewhere. So the question is, where is it going to go? So the each state has its own kind of format and setup about who gets what when you die. So I want to say in a lot of cases, um, these intestate laws are kind of, they're, they're misogynist. Um, and they're also, um, they're misogynist. I'll just say that. And the reason why I say that is that if you die, if you have a surviving spouse, and we'll just call it a surviving spouse, whoever that person may be, the surviving spouse, if you do not have any children, then they, and they have to look back to see if the person who died, what we call the decedent, if he had any parents and if, or he, he or she had parents, then you have to split your estate with the surviving spouse and the parent if you don't have any children. That's how California is. Actually, well, so that's a state thing then. It's a state by state. All right, real quick before you finish. I'm about to say, like, what, what kind of sense is that, like that, that too? That, that, that sounds like some Game of Thrones stuff. But hold on, though. I, I do want to say this, though. Like, you didn't have any kids, so now it has to be split amongst. But anyway, because um, I know a lot of people are under the, the assumption that once they get married, and I've heard people say this, I don't need mm -hmm. that stuff because I'm married. Everything goes to my wife or my husband. So that's I see your face as I say that. Right. So but, you know, people actually say and believe that I, though, right? they say it all the time. They say it to me. And it really depends on the state you live in. So I don't. And I was just sharing with somebody a couple of days ago. I was like, I don't know all of the rules of every single state because I'm only licensed to practice in two, uh, which is West Virginia and Pennsylvania. And West Virginia and Pennsylvania actually have relatively similar statutes. But Pennsylvania is actually one of those places that says, OK, um, you know, if so, if you're you pass away, you're married. Um, and you have, you, let me clarify, you pass away, you're married and you have children that are of the marriage. The surviving spouse gets the first 30,000 and then the surviving spouse and the children spit the rest 50-50. Mm. That's usually not what people want. Now, here's the other kicker. If you have children outside of the marriage, um, if you're, if the surviving, if the decedent had children outside of the marriage that were not the, the surviving spouse children, then they just split it 50-50. Ooh. So again, yeah. So it really, so a lot of people have like these blended families, and they don't even realize kind of the chaos they're calling causing because they don't have a will, and they actually assume. I tell people that we say like ignorance of the law is no excuse, but it it really isn't because you're making an assumption because somebody told you something as opposed to you looking it up your for yourself. And here's the other thing: when I actually did share the law when it pertained to Chadwick Boseman's situation. Somebody argued me down about what the document said. And I said, well, part of it is that you don't know the language. And that's not a shot. But it's like I'm sharing you what exactly the statute is. And they're arguing me down on what the statute is. Because they're like, that's not what that says. I'm like, well, that's actually what it does say. <laughs> but again, and that happens because the laws are not clear. It's not something that, you know, makes you think in your head like, yeah, this this makes sense. Because it's not as intuitive as we think. So I wonder, you know, and it, you know, rest in power to Chadwick, Chadwick Boseman, but, um, you know, and the brother was sick. And it's interesting to see that another celebrity passes without, you know, their paperwork in order, right? Because um, I know, and, and I saw people express that as well. Like, you know, he was sick. I'm shocked he didn't have his paperwork done. But I wonder if it was one of those things where that's why he got married, because he thought that would cover her. Um, go ahead, Corey, you muted, by the way. Partially did, because she got a portion of his yeah, yeah. She wouldn't have gotten squadush. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's she true. Got, so he did partially cover. No, he did. He did. He did. Right. Um, but it's interesting to see. Like I remember um, having these conversations. Prince passed. Um, I remember having these conversations um, when who uh, who else was it? Well, Michael Jackson was a little different. Aretha. Aretha Franklin. Thank you for correcting me, Corey, because, you know, sometimes I mix Aretha up with some of our other uh, queens of soul. But yeah, but I remember having these conversations like it's seemingly every time that one of our celebrities pass, I feel like we have this conversation. But one of the things you were telling me, Corey, is that Michael actually had his pretty, pretty tight. Right. It was, it was clean. And I, and I want to before we even get into Michael, I want to be very clear is that. So I looked at all of so I didn't look at all the documents. I looked at like 84. Five or eighty percent of the documents were Chadwick's. I had to keep pulling the way their dockets set up in LA. I was like, I'm not doing this all day, but I was able to look at the the documents that um, kind of were requesting the final distribution of the estate. I looked at those. I kind of looked at kind of what all the numbers looked like, but it honestly was probably one of the cleanest estates that I've ever seen. Okay. And 
the reason why I make that comment is that I'm pretty sure. So let me back up one quick second. Is that when you pass away, you have probate assets, which go through your will, which go through the law of intestacy. And then you have non-probate assets, which actually don't touch the court at all. Like for whatever reason, by operation What's an example of, of a non-probate asset. Absolutely, um, insurance policy. Okay. Um, retirement accounts. Um, also, some real estate. Like how you have your real estate title, it could possibly pass out. Like joint tenants' rights survivorship would be a common designator on a real estate on real estate where it would not go through um, probate. So okay. there's a whole kind of list of things that possibly would not go through probate, um, and then you have things that that do. That being said, is that when I looked at his probate estate, it was clean. And a lot of times when you have probate estates, there's stuff all over the place. Um, and he had, um, I think most notably, he had 100 shares of Chadwick Bozeman Inc., which was held at Merrill Lynch. And a lot of people were saying, I can't believe he only had $3 million. And I'm like, I can't believe that either um, when it comes. But I don't think that actually is his full everything that he had gotcha, i think gotcha. he actually based on the cleanness of that those documents them documents i was like i could run through them quickly and i was like ah, i feel like there's more so it out sounds there like the majority of his assets were non-probate i think they were but i'm I not think, sure I, I, I think he gave everything to everybody he wanted to have it before he before he you know before everything I mean, that could have been know, a case too. He, he knew he was sick so he, he knew he was sick and so he that's that's why his estate probably looked so clean because he was like look this is what i want you to have so go ahead let me go ahead and put this paperwork together and and so now it doesn't have to go through probate because you already have it or yeah or i mean he could uh, what we call inter vivos uh transfers like during his life inter vivos I mean, enter mm -hmm. vivos is, enter is during like we have a lot of yeah. latin and vivos is life so we probably he might have had a lot of intervivos transfers, or he just might have had a whole bunch of non beneficial you know, beneficiary yeah, accounts. Yeah. Or, you know, because I, I was also wondering, I was like, you don't own any. You said there was no real estate at all. Nope. No real estate. Okay, so it probably was transferred during like, you know, so let me say intervivos. It it could have been intervivos, but it could have been just by operation of the deed. That too. I don't know. Okay. So I don't I don't know. And I mean, yeah, I'm not sure. So and again, there was a um there was a referee appointed and a, and I don't know all of the ins and outs of California probate law. And and I want to be very clear is that a lot of people assume that probate law is the same everywhere and it's not. It can be vastly different because we don't in Pennsylvania, we don't have referees. We don't even have masters in the office court. We do have an auditor, but it can kind of they don't usually get involved until way after the fact. But so typically it's what I read. It said like referees are appointed when there's real estate involved. I was like, but I don't see any real estate. And it specifically says there's no real estate involved. So I was like, why were you here? What were you doing? Gotcha. So there was a lot of, of kind of empty, like I, I should say open-ended questions about his estate. I should say what he actually had in his net worth and how mm. those assets were. So a lot of people assume like, oh, all he was worth was $3 million. We don't know. And I think a lot of people assume what you have in your pro, like what you have that kind of passes through probate is all you have. And that's usually not the case. So my mom's probate estate, um, her, she looks insolvent. She looks like she didn't have anything. It looks like all she had was medical bills. But her non-probate estate was substantial. Mm -hmm. So again, a lot of, but you know, so if you just pulled her court documents, like she ain't got nothing. Ah, you don't know that. You know, she had a lot of other things that just didn't even go through that process. So a lot of different people don't realize that. And yeah, just that, that was my experience as well. Mm -hmm. Actually, in, in, in my experience, I would say 95% of my mother's stuff didn't have to go through probate. Yep. In fact, I was pissed. That, I was pissed I had to even go through probate for the little bit of stuff I had to. But I was like, I thought I was going to get away not having to go through it. But <clears throat> no, so, so I, now what you bringing that up, I understand what you mean. Because I'm not going to lie. It was my first thought too. Like, wow. But the one thing I didn't understand also, and I saw people making a big deal about this, is how much money had to go to the government based on this probate. Um, that wasn't even right. It okay, wasn't even explain right. that part. How did they, like, what goes to them in this in this kind of situation? So nothing goes to the government. Like, so you had the referee, which is appointed by, like, the court. So I guess that's the government. But I think that might have been in total, maybe, like, either three to $6,000. I can't remember, like, exactly how it was listed. But what people were reporting is, so in Pennsylvania, I can kind of compare and contrast, Pennsylvania does not require what we call a, a surety bond. 
uh, which is basically an insurance policy to make sure that the executor or the administrator doesn't like abscond with the money from the estate. And if they do, there's kind of some way to get that money back um, and basically make the what we call the heirs whole. So in Pennsylvania doesn't require it unless that person who is administering an estate of a Pennsylvania resident does not live in the Commonwealth. California seems to be different. I don't know what their rules are exactly, but the wife, um, Simone, she's the administrator and she had to get a bond. The bond that she ended, the bond is based on the assets of the estate and her bond had to be approximately like $939,000. Okay. Um, so that was her bond. But the amount that she paid for the bond was $2,600 per, like, per half year. So she paid $2,600 at one point and then another $2,600 from the estate for the other. So that was the cost. It's basically like thinking about our insurance policies when we have cars. Like yeah. my face insurance amount is whatever it may be, but I have a premium that I pay every month to ensure that, to ensure that my insurance is paid in full. But, you know, but basically I'm not paying $100,000 or whatever my limits are. I'm not. That's not kind of how insurance works. But it was very pe when people who are uneducated read it. And I mean, when I say uneducated, I mean, basically, even in this type of work, yeah, but you don't I, I, understand it. Too, but the people were reporting the big number. Mm -hmm, they were. And that's why I was like, wait. And they were like, yeah, Chadwick's mom gets, you know, his parents get a third. She gets a third. And then the government gets a third. And that seems salacious. And of course, it goes viral. I'm like, that's not even what happened. Did you, re did you really read the documents? Because if you actually read the documents, it says in the documents, you know, she some, you know, the the wife gets half and then the parents get half. So basically the mom and the mom actually got a little bit more than her portion. So Simone gets um, half of the estate. The mom received one fourth because she was one. You know, there's two parents living. Mm -hmm. The mom received one fourth of the estate plus a forty thousand um, dollar long term insurance policies. And then the dad received one fourth um, of the estate. So, again, so the mom got a little bit more than what we would consider her traditional one fourth because she got this additional forty thousand dollars. Yeah. So, you know, again, it was very clear. It was actually very well laid out. The attorney was actually very like they they did it, did it. It was easy. It was clean. It was good. It was easy to read. They did an excellent job. And even and that's the other thing. The attorney fees are kind of capped also. So okay. the attorney fees, they couldn't even based it again. It's based on assets of the estate. And you kind of it's like it's tiered. So it's like four percent on this amount. And then it's three percent on this amount. Then two percent on this amount. And then anything above that is only one percent. So the attorneys were only paid fifty thousand dollars. So again, it was a, a lot of like everybody's eating. All, it was very much the the commentary like everybody's eating all the Chadwick, and I'm like, ah, that's not the case here. Mm -hmm. I mean, does it does does it happen? Absolutely, but not in this particular case. And I think when we, I mean, I think it kind of brings up other people's trauma with the states, so yeah. they kind of extrapolate that and put it on it. And what may or may not be the case, which, like I said, did not was not the case with Chadwick. And I think again. I think he did have a significant amount of non-probate assets. I that's my opinion. I don't know because again, that's the wonderful thing about non-probate. If it probate is public, pro, non-probate is not. So we have no idea unless kind of something pops up. And like I, I think this is a great time to talk about Mike, Michael Jackson, unless we, it kind of pops up somewhere, we don't know what he may have. Yeah, because the Michael Jackson thing was interesting too, because um again, the media, what you hear and then what you see when you look at the documents are a little different. Right. Right. Because, um, you know, and, and but I guess my question is just get back to Chadwick for the one last moment. If he had a will, um, how would that have changed the probate assets? Would that have made it different? Right. So if he had a will, I guess he could have determined um, himself where that money went. He could have left everything to his uh, his wife or everything to his parents. Is that what the will would have done? The will is whatever he wanted. So if he wanted so all of them, both probate and non-probate. No, the will only covers probate. Okay. So of the pro of his probate assets. So right now his probate assets, fifty percent to his wife, uh, a half plus forty thousand to his mom, and a half. I'm mean, sorry, I should say a fourth. Sorry. So a half to Simone, a half. I'm sorry. For I'm going all crazy. A half to his parents, which was split one fourth to his mom plus forty thousand, and then another one-fourth to the dad. So when they really run through the numbers, it would slightly be a little bit more to the mom than the dad. But he could have made it any way he wanted it to be. So if he says Simone gets everything, 
he kind of could he could have said Simone gets nothing, but as a surviving spouse, they can kind of most places, I don't know what California's rules are, they can actually claim against like what they call their their share of the estate. So if you try to disinherit your spouse, um, they can say, Oh, hold on. At least in Pennsylvania, they say, Hold on, run me my money though, because some of that's mine. So you could do that in Pennsylvania. So again, I don't know what the rules in, in California are, but he could have actually added things that were important to him in his will. He could have said, hey, my cousin Ray Ray or, you know, whoever, I want them to have something. So when you actually have a die intestate, so when you die intestate, a lot of the things that you might have wanted to happen when you pass away or are people that you wanted to give money to or charities that you wanted to give money to, things that were important to you, they it may not have, it's definitely not going to happen if you die intestate. But again, so, you know, so Chadwick went to Howard. So there's a strong possibility that he would have, he might have wanted to provide for something to Howard or, you know, he might have, I don't know if he did it in some other way. But there's a lot of people outside of that nuclear family, like your intent, the laws of intestacy are very narrow. It's kind of going what we call lineal. So it's going to go up to your, your it's going to go down to your, your children first. So your spouse and your children. And if you don't have children, then at least in Pennsylvania and as a reason, California is going to go to your spouse and your parents. Now, if you don't have parents, then it's just going to go to your spouse. But as you can see, it's very limited of who gets kind of any money. Now, if you don't have those people, if you don't have a spouse, it can go um, up and over to like your siblings or your nieces and nephews. But it's it kind of only goes out to that point once those other people are not around and don't gotcha. and don't are not okay. living. So, again, it's like, you know, you might have wanted to take care of your, your little niece or your little nephew, but that's not going to happen because you didn't provide for them. And you're relying on the government to kind of give you and your family instructions about who gives what. And I don't really trust the government to do much of anything, especially the way things have been going. So, again, it's like, why would you give them that right or that opportunity to kind of tell your family who gets what and who's deserving of what? Why don't you make that decision for yourself? All right. So there's a couple of things I want to ask you while I got you here, because one of the things that um, came up in conversation based on this, and these, these are great conversations, because I feel like there's a couple of things. We talk about wealth all the time and black wealth. So right now, I do believe there's some sort of like black wealth renaissance. People are talking about making money and investing and buying real estate and stocks and all these great things. But it seems to me we're missing that next piece, right, in terms of growing where we accumulate assets, but how do we get them to the next generation or how do we, I think that's the part that's missing. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are scammers and, and, and connivers. And now with this whole trust thing, I've seen people get in trouble spending thousands and thousands of dollars for stuff they don't need um, mm -hmm. because it has the word trust on it. Right. So my question to you is, um, and I know there's no way to answer this because everybody's situation is completely different, but when do a trust kick in, right? So if you have a regular job and you have your 401k and maybe you own your primary residence, do you need like a double blind trust like set up in Wyoming with like, because I, I see people play for all kinds I've, of- I've oh. seen it. <laughs> so so kind of like, what's the, what's the framework? Because I've also um, had someone tell me, and I don't know how true this is, mm -hmm. I was telling me, he says, you know, in terms of your trust, when you get to like five, 10 mil, that's when you start worrying about that kind of stuff, right? That was his perspective. Mm-hmm. But, so well, I don't know what the honest answer is. So he's actually not wrong. So let's kind of talk about um, circumstances and then we can talk about assets. So there's basically, I would say overall, there's two circumstances where I would say you really need to trust. One, if you have minor children. And two, if you have children, whether they're minors or not with special needs, or if you provide assistance for someone who has special needs, whether it's your child or not. So okay. those are the two instances where I'm going to say you really need to trust for circumstances. Now, on the other side, when we're looking at assets, um, I would probably start to say you would need a trust when we start. And I would honestly say pull back around. I would start looking at about a million to start looking at, hey, should I be getting a trust? Um, that's where I would start looking. Now, where some attorneys would kind of say, hey, I really don't think you really need one until about five or 10 million. And here's the thing. So I want to be very clear because it, so I want to be clear. There, there are two levels of taxation 
or kind of, I should say, oversight or two levels of, of the law, federal and state, that you'll be dealing with when you're dealing with your estates. So, but the feds don't get involved typically until you hit the estate tax exemption. And I'm just trying to grab in my notes where I dotted it down. I believe it's 12 million for the exemption. And then yes. if you're married, it's like double that, which is, you know, 24 million. Now that will reset to 6 million in 2025 if they don't change it. So just as an FYI. Um, okay. But then you also have state things that you're dealing with, like in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, we have an, an inheritance tax that starts at dollar one. So you're kind of dealing with two taxation things. And a lot of people don't even realize that there's an inheritance tax in Pennsylvania at all. And that happens, like I said, at dollar one. But then also Pennsylvania is like one of three states that even still have it. So it's just like an archaic tax. But here we are. Um, but I say those things is that, you know, you probably don't start looking at you know, doing a trust for um, the purposes of assets until you start getting to those numbers. But you may want to kind of look at trust for other reasons, um, mm -hmm. like I said, in terms of circumstances or something else that may pop up. Um, for example, if you have a non-citizen um, non spouse, you may want to do what we call, it's a, it's a QDOT. So it's a qualified domestic I forgot what the rest of the other two, um, it's something, something trust. Um, I should probably just pull it up real quick, but it's, it's a trust that's actually for non, you know, citizen spouses that are, you know, surviving. And mm -hmm. it's, those are the things that are really important. So, like I said, there's always going to be some certain, um, but you know what, that's, that's why I'm asking this though, right? Because I understand that, Everybody's situation is different. They're going to be special circumstances. But I'm talking about, I've seen people with a Robin Hood and a Coinbase account, and they're telling me they got three trusts. And I'm like, why'd you pay for that? What do you Yeah, do? it's expensive. So trusts are super expensive to maintain. So if you have what we call like a grantor's trust, it's going to be all the taxes, all of the taxable income is going to go through the grantor. Um, so that's the person who actually... So we have, let me clarify. So we have the settler or the grantor, then we have the trustee, and then we have the beneficiary. So the settler is the person who actually puts the money in the trust. And then you have your trustee is the person or entity who's overseeing the trust management. And then you have the beneficiary who gets the benefit of the funds and the assets in the trust. Mm -hmm. So I say kind of you have all those players in there, but those players get expensive. So, you know, again, a lot of people want to say I have a trust, but they don't have the money to actually necessitate a trust or the circumstances to necessitate a trust and it's very frustrating because again our whole point is to convey as many or as much assets as we can to the next generation and not do this foolishness that kind of eats away at our money and and here's the other thing trust if it's a like i said you have revocable i didn't even talk about these yet but you have a revocable trust which uh, can be changed by the settler, the person that puts the money in the the um, the trust, or you have a no, you know a non-revocable or irrevocable trust. If you have an irrevocable trust, then the trust itself has to pay taxes. And do you know where they start paying? So our top our top rate as individuals is thirty seven percent. That's like our top rate. But if you're single, you have to make you know I think it's like. $539,000 if you're single. And if you're married, it's $647,000. That's when you're going to hit that top rate. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what that number is for trust? What's the $37,000? Uh, 37%? $13,450. So that's when you're going to get hit at... I'm sorry? That's it? Yes. So, all right. So, all right. That brings oh, up... Whoa, 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 whoa. You said at... Thirteen, basically thirteen thousand, thirteen five. You got to start paying thirty seven percent tax. Yeah, if it's an irrevocable. So if it's like its own entity that has no relationship to the grantor, yeah, like are that's and and people that's get really excited, right? Because mm -hmm. it's like people are doing are setting all these things up with the intention of um, protecting and passing wealth, but they're doing the opposite. Absolutely, absolutely. I had so many people that want to say. I have a trust or I have a trust fund baby or whatever the case is <laughs> like, but you don't have the money for it, my love. And, sure. but here's the, and here's the other thing, even if, even if you have minor children, you can do what's called a testamentary trust, which is a trust that's set up as a result of your will. 
So it kind of, so okay. it doesn't exist until you die. So again, you're not even thinking about the administration, but you are still protecting those that you need to protect when it happens. Um, so again, it, it just really depends. But again, I tell people, we need to figure out what you need and what you want in terms of how you want assets to be passed and how what kind of tro- control you want to have versus the beneficiaries or the heirs. We have to talk about that. And then we create and draft a plan from that as yeah. opposed to saying, I want to trust, give me something that gives me a trust. Like, no, that's not yeah, how because, it works. You know, right now it's like a buzzword, but I do want to make sure I, I say something that I want to be very clear about this. Mm-hmm. Everybody doesn't need a trust, but everybody should have a will, right? Absolutely. I want to make sure I say that. Everybody doesn't need a trust, but everybody mm-hmm. should have a will. Because I, I don't, and that's why I want to make sure we clarify those are different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that you shouldn't have a trust either, but I was giving Courtney an example because I've seen people spend five digits on these things mm-hmm. and they really don't have assets. And I'm like, you could have bought assets with those five digits. Mm-hmm. But it's a buzzword and people are taking that. And, and, and you know, shout out to them because they feel like they're doing the right thing. But we got to have more information. Absolutely. And I, and I want to also say you need to have an attorney that actually does this work. And the thing that makes me really frustrated is like during the pandemic, there were a lot of attorneys that kind of didn't have any work and they ended up doing estate work. I have, you know, one client that, you know, has a situation where the attorney did a quick claim deed instead of just a regular fee simple or even a general warranty deed. So they did a quick claim and there's an uh, in Pennsylvania, there's a position that a lot of title companies take and a lot of other just kind of, you know, related people to estates take is that the estate did not relinquish all of their right title and interest to that property. So now we have an administrator who is adverse to the owner of the property and the administrator does kind of have what we call an equitable claim in this property and shouldn't have. That's not what the um, what the grantor wanted. Yeah. But again, and then, you know, we, they, the attorney lost the, so when you're doing a will, everybody should have original copies because you have to probate an original and the attorney lost the original. Nobody knows what grandma's is because, you know, I don't, for whatever reason, but the attorney actually had the original and lost it. And so there were a lot of things that they should have done and did not. And now we have a whole problem. And again, it's because somebody who was, you know, trying to do this work didn't understand all of the implications of this work and really made a mess. Yeah, that reminds me of um, the uh, the MC Hammer story when he was trying to give his cousin some work when he got on with all his money. Mm-hmm. And his cousin was a real estate attorney. He wasn't an entertainment lawyer. So it kind of messed up some of his paperwork mm-hmm. and he caught himself looking out, right? You know, but I mean, it happens, right? I, I remember that from mm-hmm. the movie, but um, yeah. So if you're getting one of these things, right, don't, don't go to uh, someone who specializes in criminal law and have them out of the blue start to create these things but also make sure you need these things right and i think that's the bigger conversation um that i really wanted to have because i'm telling you i literally had someone i'm like well what do you have like i got a robin hood account and and they're spending money to get trust and stuff done i'm like dude you don't you want no bread yet like get your bread up but here's the other thing and that's that's something that people need to understand the trust actually has to have something in it and if Mm -hmm. it doesn't it fails that means it's no good yeah, I mean, well, people do the same thing with LLCs, right? They go set up LLCs and have no business. But that's that's usually <laughs> that's actually not it's it's not good, but it's actually not as bad as a trust with no corpus. If that gotcha. makes sense. So that's what we call like the funds or whatever the trust holds is a corpus. But one of the things is is that you have to have the trust has to have something, and if it doesn't, it fails. So it means it basically you did all of that for nothing for no reason. But what I'm saying is there are people out here charging folks to set these things up. Absolutely. And, and, and that that's where the problem lies, right? Um, man, so Corey, you have something you want to say, good brother? Just, uh, you know, that, it, it, you know, I'm glad that we have somebody that understands this stuff, that that's willing to explain this stuff, come on to the show. Because, like, I, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm, you know, I'm like, damn, like, this is absolutely nuts. Like, I'm looking at my paperwork sideways now. I got, I got a red range. <laughs> <laughs> like, eh, I ain't do that right. <laughs> let me let me go. I mean, back well, listen, do that. listen, you get more information, you act on the information you get. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with course correcting, good brother. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I may have overdid some things over here. So yeah. let me uh <laughs> let me yeah. let me go fix that now. 
But one of the things that you were telling me about court, which I found interesting, you were talking about um, Michael Jackson's estate, right? Mm-hmm. And you were saying how, like in the media, they made it sound like Mike didn't have his paper together, but in fact, he did. Mm-hmm. In fact, he did. As a matter of fact, let me um, let me share with you because you actually sent me the documents. And for those watching on the video, you'll get a chance to see uh, Mike's actual will. If you're listening to the audio, go to our YouTube channel and you'll see the actual will. Um, but and I'll go back to this previous page here. Um, here, here we go. Last will, Michael Joseph Jackson. So this is a copy of Michael's actual will. Mm-hmm. And you can see that um, he had his done, right? Mm-hmm. So what was in question? I remember them going to court about Mike's estate, but it wasn't his will. It was something else, right? Right. So they valued, and I had to look it up real quick. I believe the number was they valued his image. Like they said it at a dollar. So there, because of that, like whatever, you know, I, basically they were undervaluing the estate and the IRS was like, no, that's not it. And like I said, the IRS doesn't usually get involved until you get very large estates. So the IRS was already kind of on it. You know, when some, when a high profile person dies and they yeah. have a lot of money, the IRS is like, hi, it's us though. How are yeah. you? <laughs> um, so, you know, run us our bread. And and let me be very clear, after you hit that estate tax exemption, and I'm not offhand, I don't remember what it was in 2009 when he passed, but it's 40%, the tax goes up to 40% above and beyond the exemptions. So the family gets 60 and Uncle Sam gets 40. So again, go ahead. No, I'm just going to think about like if anyone's name, image, and likeness has value, he probably has the most valuable name, image, and I can't think of it. Who has a bigger name, image, and likeness value than Mike? Nobody. (laughs) That's what the IRS's point was. They were like, "Um, now, sir, now let's not do this. So that's what the the argument was. So, um, so just to be very clear is that they were saying that, you know, Mike, um, his, you know, he had a lot of legal bills. So, you know, that basically eats away at the estate and they, and the numbers where I think they ended up coming out that his estate was valued at, you know, 114 million. And that was, that was the long and the short of it. So, okay. um, so, and there, so the, the next argument is because again, they, he did, his estate did pay taxes. Um, so they were saying, well, no, 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 no. You still owe us an additional money. And so that being said is that, you know, with all of that amount and even the thing is that you underpaid us by 500 million. Mm-hmm. They, I'm sorry, they underpaid, they undervalued it. And then because, you know, they had all of these values and um, penalties and they went back and forth. So there was a lot of different things because they also added Mike, if you look at his documents, Michael has uh, Michael Jackson had his Michael Jackson Family Trust, which was established in 20 and I'm sorry, in 2002, excuse me. And then um, he had an additional trust. He has some other trusts that exist where he kept his um, ownership interest in Stony, where he kept like some of his music. And then they had some other music um, things that he had in another trust. So he had trust on trust. Like he's the type of person that should have trust on top of trust on top of trust. That is your ideal trust client. You know, you have different interests that have different, you know, um, ownership rights and different kind of strings that may be attached to it. That's exactly who you want to have this type of thing. So what he has right in front of us, what we call a pour over will. So it do, as you can see, it doesn't really have any much of anything in there. It just says, you know, these are my I'm single. You know, the woman that y'all thought I was married to, I'm not no more. Um, Yo, I, I'm reading that. I'm like, okay, my, it says, I declare that I am not married. He's like, my I gotta be clear. Jean Roe Jackson has been dissolved. <laughs> and he's like, let me tell you, he's like, these are my children. Yep. And, you know, and he's like, I have no other living children living or deceased. And those, that information is really important because especially with somebody like Michael Jackson, you have people come out of the Wilbur, that's my daddy. Like, mm-hmm. definitely like very much a Billie Jean situation. So he's like, I have to make it 110% clear. I'm not fooling with y'all. No, Mike I don't was have to the game. Mike, he was, Mike, he was schooled to the game early. He was like, Billy G was not my lover. She's just a girl. It <laughs> like, says mm. that I am the one. He's like, that's <laughs> not it. Not my son. He's like, I had I had to clear that up. So I think that's really, but that's a really good important point is that you're you're making these very clear because these are the things that people argue about. Oh no, me and Mike were still married. He said, No, I'm not. He said, De- Debbie. That's not it. We were we not together no more. Yeah, Mike so got that's this the first thing. He got this and, in writing. 
Absolutely. And then you have, um, I believe his mom was named as the guardian. I know his mom was named as the guardian of his children. So that mm-hmm. was something also very important um, because, you know, Mike was the sole, you know, sole parent. I, I don't even know what their situation was in terms of um, the mom. So he said, hey, he has to say who's going to get his kids. So these were things that were very, um, very important. And then he names his executor. So one of the things that you have, but it doesn't tell you what he has, though. If you notice, and that's where everybody gets it messed up. It doesn't tell you anything that he has. He says, listen, anything that I have, he said, I direct all my funeral, my federal estate taxes, you know, um, which is property of the Michael Jackson Family Trust. They get paid there. Um, also, anything that I ever had in the world ever, ever that's not somewhere else goes there. And so he directs all the assets there. And it's very, very clear that like anything that so what we a poor will says everything pours over into the trust. So think of it kind of like as like a like a crumb tray. It's like so if anything kind of gets left over, it wasn't, you know, sp- let me stop. Anything gets left over, it goes over to this trust. And so here's the thing. And this is the thing a lot of people don't realize. They think I have, like I said this earlier, but not quite this way, is that you have a trust. But things have to be specifically conveyed to the trust. So 123 Main Street has to go to the trust of Courtney Richardson. It has to, like, I have to have a deed that says it, and it has to be filed. Well, I mean, it doesn't have to be filed. I mean, you could argue that. But it should be filed. We'll say that. Um, But, you know, so you have that, you know, if you have a car, the car, and you want the car to be in the trust, again, the car title has to be the trust of Courtney Richardson. So all of these things have to be specifically titled that way. And if they're not, then they're going to be in your estate. And those are things that a lot of people, and this happened with Nipsey. Nipsey had a trust, as far as I know. And I think his family even said, hey, he had a trust, but he had his business interest, which wasn't conveyed to the trust. So he had this business interest floating around. So his brother, Black Sam, had to become the administrator. He had to open the the estate and he had to become the administrator so they could do the business that was kind of booming and really like nobody was authorized to sign any contracts. All right. So my question about that is when you say that things have to be paperwork wise put into the trust, can that be done by the will or it has to be done before the will? So it can be done by the will. So if you see, um, if you look, if you, I think I would go to section three. Okay. Um, let's see. Yes. So yeah, section three. It says, I give my entire estate to the trustee or trustees then acting under that certain amended and re- reinstated, restated, excuse me, declaration of trust executed on March 22nd, uh, 2002. You know, that's uh, right. which is called the Michael Jackson Family Trust. So you can do that. So if you do a trust specifically in your will, you could even actually put a section that has a trust in it. That would be a testamentary trust. You could do that. Or you can have a trust that's already set up and then convey it to convey that to the trust. Now, a lot of people say, oh, I don't want to go through probate. I don't want people to know my business. So if you don't want people to know your business and you might have a significant amount of assets, then I would probably set up a trust before you pass away and do exactly what Mike did. Now, if you don't, if you're not going to have a significant amount of assets until after you die, like for example, a really large insurance policy. So you, you may not want to, you may want to just set it up and kind of push it out that way. All right. So um, now I, have, I have another question based upon mm-hmm. this information right here, right? So with this will, we're looking at of Mike's, right? So in this will, and it's a very, very short document. It's not, it's not like a, a 600 page document. It's a very short document. Mike is saying, I'm Mike, these are my people, and everything goes to my trust. That's basically what this is saying, right? Yes. Could he have this, like, say he wanted to leave everything to his mother. Could it have been the same way? Or do, like, because I guess if the, I, I'm thinking about a pri- from a privacy standpoint. Mm-hmm. If you don't want anyone to know what all the assets you're that you're, you know, bequeathing to someone else, could you just say, you know, um, in my, uh, this is my last will and testament, I'm giving everything to, you know, uh, my wife or my mother or something like that. Mm-hmm. You can, you can do that. You can definitely do that. So in his case, um, so, and here's the other thing. Oh, that's a, oh, that's a really good point. So I'm going to answer your question. Um, and, and I'm going to bring up a really good point. Okay. So yes, you can say what we, so we have what's called specific bequests, which are specifically going like one, two, three main street goes to John, you know, those are kind of what we call specific bequests, but then mm-hmm. we have kind of like another catch-all, which is called the residuary clause. So it's the rest residue remainder. So anything else that I didn't name specifically goes here or goes there. So that's what you can do in your will. So he could definitely have said, 
oh, you know, all my rest residue remainder goes to my mother, Catherine Jackson, for the benefit of my children, or whatever he wants to say. He could have said that without specifically naming things. So he could definitely do that. You can always do that. But here's the other thing. If Michael did not have a will, mm-hmm. and remember how I gave you the, the California laws of metastasy, right? Yeah. So if he did, it would have gone to his, it would have gone to his children. But if he didn't have any children, it could have gone to his father. Mm. So again, you know that he and his father didn't quite get along. Yeah. So again, he was very, very specific in naming his mother and not his father. Right. And so that's again, but that's what your will allows you to do is like if you want to, you know, somebody who might have been entitled to something, if you want to make sure they don't get anything, you can make sure they don't get anything. But that's also why you have to have an attorney do it, because I had another client um, who who did their own will. I mean, they're not my client, but I had another situation where they did their own will and they wanted to disinherit somebody, but they just didn't mention them. Well, that's not how disinheritance works. You have to specifically name that person and say that one right there they don't get anything and you have to be very clear because what they will what the court will do is they'll say oh well maybe you just forgot about them because they're not going to to lean on the side of you just said no you just specifically did not want them to have anything that's not what they're going to interpret it as they're going to interpret it as saying hey you know he that person just must have forgotten their other all right that's that's interesting too all right so that's interesting too let's let's Mm -hmm. let's use corey as an example right so Corey, um, you know, has four boys, right? Mm-hmm. And let's just say that, you know, Corey gets tired of Charlie bullying him and he wants to, like, knock him out of his will. <laughs> hey, so so you're saying that if Corey just doesn't mention him and mentions the, his other three sons, Charlie can, come back, is, Charlie can come back and say, no, nah, I'm here too. He I has to specifically it. say, I'm tired of Charlie bullying me. He's not getting none of my bread. Right. He right. has to actually, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. You have to specifically say so. And a lot of, but again, a lot of people who don't do this work don't even realize that. So again, it's like one of those situations, like you have to know, you have to know what you're doing because there's a lot of situations where you just might do something a little bit wrong and get it all messed up. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that either, Cor. I didn't either. And you know, I got a disinheritance thing in my in my yes, policy. He, yes, he does. In, in my current will, which is- I'm gonna leave that alone, but you know. Change. <laughs> all right so court this has been amazing um your wealth of knowledge um but uh before we get out of here though court do you have any more questions in reference to the the trust the states because this is a this is a great combo but i know no, that no questions that i'm going to ask here because i don't want to be here 45 another 45 <laughs> minutes but courtney is definitely going to be getting some phone calls so courtney i guess the, the question i would have for you um before we close out here is like what um kind of advice would you have to someone who's looking to set up, you know, they, they started acquiring these assets. What would you say is the first thing they should do? And I, I know you're going to say contact an attorney, right? Okay. Either. What is it? The first thing to do is figure out what you want. Like, what do you want to happen? Because okay. again, you know, sometimes an attorney can tell you like, Hey, that works. No, that doesn't work. But they, they need to know your intent. Like they need to know like, Hey, you know, I really want to make sure that this is taken care of, or this is that. like, if you were to, and I tell people like, Think of it this way. If you were to die tomorrow, what do you want to happen? And that's kind of what you need to write down and understand for yourself. And, and some of that causes the. And I don't want you to, to kind of a lot of people will stop and like, oh, I have to think about this. And they like take forever. Don't think about it. Just go with whatever your first thought is. And I also feel like what I've noticed with estate planning recently, I've actually had a couple of clients recently, and I don't understand why we're obsessed with the concept of fairness. Well, I I really want both of my children to administer the estate. Both children may not be like good to minister the estate. Like one may not even be in the area. So, but because they want to be fair, they're actually causing more chaos and confusion and all of these other things in, in the name of being fair. And then also on the other side is that not everybody is actually good with money and being responsible so why on earth would you make that person who's not responsible actually do any of the administration if you wouldn't let them touch your stuff in life why on earth are you letting them touch it in death so like so think of it that way and i and i think you know once we get rid of the oh i'm trying to be fair i'm trying to give everybody something um i think we get a little bit further along it's like who is going to be the best person to be the best um the best, I guess, keeper of the funds or the best use of assets. Who do I think that's going to be? 
And I, I honestly having those conversations. And sometimes that means that, you know, Charlie, you know, may get it all because Charlie going to get it down. He's going to knock it down. <laughs> but, you know, so again, it just, it just means, it, and again, you always want to make sure that you have something for some, everybody. I mean, yeah. I don't want you to kind of, unless you really want to disinherit people. But sometimes someone is a bet is a better fit for something. For example, I know a lot of people say, "Oh, well, you know, this child doesn't have a house. I want to make sure that they have a house." Okay, cool. But you also think this child's probably going to lose that house because you know they don't have a house already because they weren't able to to actually do what they needed to do to make that happen. Yes. So again, it's it's very interesting how we kind of. Under, and I actually don't see this with other communities. I'm just I'm just giving kind of some generalizations. This is just my experience. No, it is. And I, that's why you were leading me to another question I wanted to ask you, right? Which is mm-hmm. being very honest, like even in my own family, um, sometimes having these conversations are difficult, right? Oh, so I like your advice. That's amazing advice, by the way. Literally just like put it in plain English. What do you want to happen, right? I think that's important. But the next question I have is, how do you start to have, and maybe, you know, you're the wrong, maybe talk to a therapist about this. How do you actually start to have these conversations in an environment or family or community when we don't like talking about death? We just don't like talking about it. True. So let me kind of circle back and clean up what the next step is. I want to make that very clear. Go ahead, go ahead. After you write it down, then that's when you need to go the attorney. That's gotcha. when you need to start the process. But then also kind of, so the question is, how do you socialize these conversations? So in and honestly, I still quite don't know mm-hmm. um, because I think it is still having that hard conversation. And I don't, honest to goodness, I don't like having these hard conversations. I'm going to be very honest. And I mean, and I do this, like I literally do this and I'm still like, oh, do we have to have this conversation? But we do. So um, usually I would suggest you talk to the person that you feel is going to be in charge of everything. And that that's who I talk to. And then also, ooh, 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 I'm glad we're talking about this. Who's in charge? Sometimes it's not your family member. Mm. And I know a lot of people feel like, oh, because there's a different there's two aspects of a state administration, uh, a state administration or probate or whatever. You have who's administering the assets and who gets them. So the person who's administering does not have to get them. They, now, they, what they get kind of for their trouble is what's called a commission, but they're not, they don't have to be an heir. And a lot of times is that sometimes you just have a third party who's, who doesn't have a dog in the fight, just is able to do this a little bit better and you feel comfortable with them. So like, that's the other aspect, like who's going to get it, who's going to disperse it and who's going to get it and kind of understanding that, but then also having the conversation with who's going to be doing the lion's share of the work. And having that conversation, and sometimes you might not want to have the uncomfortable conversation with other children or other family members that may not be getting what they think they should be getting. Yeah, and the one you thing may I, not. The one thing I have from personal experience, mm-hmm. I've had people in my family pass away without their paperwork together, and like when my mom passed away, she had all the paperwork together, and honestly, it helped me grieve Absolutely. because I didn't have to spend time, you know, there because everything was together. It, it actually helped. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, so I want to put that out there because, you know, I, I, but I know that even to this day, like with aunts and uncles and things like that, like it's difficult to get those conversations. Like we'll start and they'll, they'll just change the topic on me. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know what I mean? Like we, we we're, we're meeting for this reason. And then somehow you want to talk about a bar, you want to talk about something totally separate. Right. Yeah. And that happens in our community a lot. So, um, man, Cor, I know you had some thoughts about that. I see you over there laughing. Yeah, man. Cause you know, uh, my grandmother, my grandmother, uh, you know, did had some 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 very strong thoughts about where her stuff should go. She didn't have a very strong written thought about where things should go. Yeah. So she actually knew what to do with all of the stuff <laughs> that she that she had set up for us. But we got some some legal entanglements going on to this day because she didn't specifically say where her property was going. And so I saw a situation in a gentrifying area where a lady bought the property back in like late 60s or something paid next to nothing for it it's in brewery town right mm-hmm. worth close to a million dollars but because she didn't have her paperwork together now like one of her kids who's in and out of prison and all that um actually went to court and because he was living there he put some sort of argument together he actually got mm-hmm. the property mm-hmm. when he's the one that you know is probably her most irresponsible child who she didn't want to have it everyone knew she didn't want him to have it but he you know I mean, he was a shyster, but he figured out how to, you know, so, word so, 
So here, but that's the problem. So that's a good point. So Pennsylvania, I believe in 2018, maybe late 18, early 19, somewhere in there, they changed the rules about what we call adverse possession. Mm-hmm. So if there's a residence, um, so it used to be 21, it's, let me clarify, it's 21 years. So you have to take care of the property, you know, open and notoriously own it, you know, yep. I mean, not own it, but, you know, possess it in the open. And there, I think there's like five rules. I don't remember them. I couldn't tell you them from the bar, yeah. but there's like five things that you have to do. Now, Pennsylvania said, hey, you know, that's still fine if it's like a lot or something like that. But if it's a residence and you can show that you've been living there for 10 years and taking care of the property, all these other things, you know, you'll have, you know, you'll have standing for um, adverse possession or, you know, you have a you have standing to do what's called an action in quiet title to adversely possess the property. So the property would become yours after 10 years based on that on based on the new rules. Yep. So if I, I, I don't know the situation, but that's what it sounds like. But no, again, that's exactly point, what happened. But everyone knew that upon her demise, she didn't want him to have it because she felt like he would lose it because it's in a gentrifying area. So the taxes are more, right? So, mm-hmm. but the fact is he went to court and was like, I'm here, like, and got everybody else out the box. Mm-hmm. And it was a big mess for that family. And I'm like, you know, oops. But that 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 just goes to the point of having your paperwork together. And Corey mentioned the phrase he likes to use, paperwork gangsters, right? Like people are more dangerous with paperwork than they are with weapons. So um, you got to be careful out there. Absolutely. <laughs> be, be careful. I mean, but but that but that goes to the point of what I was saying about the the one the property that was the quick claim deed the the they lost the will like the the daughter had the right to actually open the estate and then she's like well I had this actually property is the property of the estate it's kind of is but kind of not but you know she changed the locks did all kind of, whoa 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 what are you doing <laughs> like you still don't have a right to do that. And so again, you know, again to your point about paperwork gangster, like she had this set of paperwork, but there's a whole nother set of paperwork that's out there. But again, it's like all of these things, but you know, people know just enough to get themselves in trouble. And so I tell people, like you you have to get in front of it and also do it when you're well. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of people don't wait because they're like, Oh, I feel like I'm gonna pass away soon or whatever. And a lot of times you end up putting putting it off so much that you don't you don't actually do it. And then on top of that is that you kind of, you know, you start changing your mind based on the way you feel. So I tell people, like, I think we say it all the time, like, don't make these decisions when you're sad or yeah. when you're like, or when you're super happy. It's kind of like you're chilling. Make those, you know, have those kind of thoughts that you have in your head and think of it that way, because that's when you'll get the best results because you're clear headed. Like when my mom was, you know, my mom was diagnosed in, with cancer with, in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, yeah, it was 2018. She was diagnosed with cancer. That's when we did all her paperwork. You know, she was, you know, she was, you know, she was, she had cancer, but she was healthy. She had a clear mind. I mean, she, in her mind, she was clear minded. She was able to kind of, we were able to walk through it kind of quickly, easily Mm -hmm. with not a whole bunch of, you know, she, you know, she was very clear about what she wanted in terms of her healthcare, you know, her advanced directive, her, you know, her living, you know, her living will, advanced directive, healthcare power attorney, her regular, like she was very clear about all of what she wanted because she was clear minded. Mm-hmm. But as somebody starts to get sick, you know, they kind of start wondering and, and, it, and it gets very confusing and it's very emotional. And the yeah. more that you can take the emotion out of it, the better the documents are going to be. Um, so and and again, and I also very clearly and like I've also noticed that people will say, oh, I have a power of attorney and the person's dead. Well, baby, so is that document. So you have documents that are for life, which will be your durable power of attorney, your um, your your advanced healthcare directive. Um, which I think is obvious, your, your living will, you know, all of the, pow- you know, healthcare power of attorney, the, um, the only thing that kind of lives beyond death and kind of goes back and forth are the trust. So you, ha- you can have a trust that kind of is good in life and then it becomes irrevocable in death. And then you have your testamentary trust, but then you have your will. So as soon as that person dies, that will is going to control. And you still have to have a probate, you still have to go through the process, but that document, the rest of the living documents are no longer good. So mm-hmm. I've noticed a lot of people are like, oh, I'm a, I'm a power attorney. It's like, okay, cool. And they're like, but so-and-so died last year. That's not going to work. <laughs> That's no good. But a lot of people don't know. So again, and we're oh, not yeah, having these conversations. No, you're right. You're right. Listen, um, this has been uh, learning for me. So I just want to say thank you first and foremost oh, for man. coming on and um, you know breaking that yeah. stuff down for us because we had Amazing. a lot of questions. Yeah, we had a lot of questions that came to us. And I hope you know people got some value from this. If nothing else, figure out what you want. I think that should be the key from the takeaway from this episode. 
figure out what you want, right? In, in, in plain English, just figure out exactly what you want to happen, you know, um, upon your demise. But I think that's excellent. So, so Court, thank you, first and foremost. I will make sure to put all of Courtney's contact information in the description so you can go check her out and see everything she's got going on. Follow her on Instagram. Like, you know, she's putting out amazing content. Her reels are fire. Um, and, Court, we're going to see you this week, too. You know, we got we got dinner scheduled. Uh, yes. Yeah, we would be going to Amina's this week. So we'll see you at, at, at dinner this week. Absolutely. <laughs> Corey. <laughs> and listen, for everybody out there listening, um, you know, if you want to uh, take a, a, a gander at Michael Jackson's will, we actually did a show on the video. Um, go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash by the hood or facebook.com slash by the hood because the video will be there. Um, but if you just want to listen to the audio, that's fine as well. Give us some feedback. Let us know what you think about this. And also let us know... Um, do you have your will or do you have your, you know, trust together? Do you need a trust? Let me know if you're one of them people that want to spend five figures on the trust you don't need. Because, <laughs> um, you know, it's some folks doing that. But, Court, thank you. Thank you so thank much. You. So, anyway, man, Court, you got any questions we got to get, brother? Nah, no questions. Thank you again, Courtney, for coming thank out. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. And to our audience out there, as we always say, it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much you keep game elevates we'll see you guys on our next episode we appreciate and love you all peace